This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Juice Analytics. Juice is the company behind Juicebox, a new kind of platform for visualizing data. Juicebox is a platform designed to deliver easy-to-read interactive data applications and dashboards. Juicebox turns your valuable analyses into a story for everyday decision makers. For more information on Juicebox or to schedule a demo, visit juiceanalytics.com. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Changing up the format a little bit this week, I'm actually sitting in a room with this week's guest. I'm here with Marie Whitaker from DEMPED, which is the... It is the Deputy Mayor's Office for Planning and Economic Development here in Washington, D.C. Here in D.C. In a lovely spring day, actually. Actually, yes. Actually, yes. Marie and I met at a Tableau user group a couple of weeks ago here in D.C., and um, I thought we would talk about the sort of work that you're doing here. So can uh, we start by having you introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about what DEMPED does and what you what you do here? Absolutely, yeah. So John mentioned, hi, I'm Marie Whitaker. I work for DEMPED, which is the acronym for the Deputy Mayor's Office for Planning and Economic Development, a, a funny acronym, very government-y. Um, my background is in economics, actually. Uh, I went to school spirits. for economics. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> went to school for economics um, and art, and then came here to DC to work for the federal government, and then switched over to local government uh, in the middle of last year. I've been at DEMPED since last May, so almost a year yeah. now. Yeah. DEMPED is the agency in DC that handles a lot of real estate and business development, and we also have a cluster of agencies under DEMPED. The deputy mayor likes to say that he's been tasked with three jobs right now by the mayor. One is to increase jobs for DC residents. Two is to produce and preserve more affordable housing in the district. Of course, it's a very expensive city and Mm -hmm. getting more expensive and Housing is a huge part of that. And then the third is to increase the tax base so that we can do more of the first two. Mm -hmm. And the activities that go into all those three things are the activities that DEMPED does. There are a few offices within DEMPED, and of course, I mentioned the cluster agencies. So we have a real estate development office and a business development office, which uh, tries to attract businesses and attract jobs to DC. We do industrial revenue bond programs to support nonprofits in certain sectors in DC with taxes and financing. And then we have cluster agencies, including the Department of Consumer and Regulatory Affairs, DDOT, the Department of Transportation, Department of Housing and Community Development, among a few others yeah. too. So we are plugged into a lot of different arms of the government mm-hmm. and DEMPED is uh, working on a lot of different things all at once. And my team, within DEMPED is the economic intelligence team. So we support all of those other offices and other agencies in the district, as well as, uh, of course, answering to the executive office of the mayor at times mm-hmm. as well. So we're a very small team. Right. And so how many people are on the team? Actually, right now, three. Okay, so three people. Three people. And you are pulling together all of the data that you need to inform the deputy mayor. Mm-hmm so that the deputy mayor can inform the mayor mm-hmm. about what she should do. Yes. Okay. And other agencies. And other agencies, right. So 
What sort of products are you pulling together to inform both the work you do in your office and also to inform the other agencies and the deputy mayor and ultimately the mayor? Mm -hmm. I would break it into a few categories. One would be dashboarding products. We put out a weekly dashboard for the deputy mayor and for uh, heads of other agencies too that has kind of the vital signs of the district, things that we're tracking to see what's changing, mm-hmm. what are the basics that we need to know about the district economy. We also have a public version of that dashboard online because most of it is public data. Mm-hmm. And that public-facing version helps not just DC government, which as like a one-stop shop for economic data, but also members of the public, members of the journalism community, and other data-savvy citizens. So are those two separate products or are they basically the same and you just the venn diagram of those two is yeah. very very close to a circle okay. Okay. there are a few things in one that's not in the other okay. the internal ones some of the data we use is proprietary so okay. we can't make it public but basically they're they're about the same gotcha and what technology are you using to build the dashboards we're using uh, tableau to host the the visualizations mm-hmm. themselves online and in the internal version mm-hmm. And uh, we're using actually Tableau Public, although we're building the vizs in Tableau Desktop. Okay. So anybody who has free Tableau version can download right. the data that we're using and play around with it themselves too. Our workflow behind it, we try to make it as automatic as possible right. so that it's not a whole lot of manpower going into updating and grabbing the data. So we use a series of Python scripts to scrape data from wherever it might live. Most of it is online, mm-hmm. in public sources. And then we, we've we automated that process to pull it into Tableau, and then really the only manual step is just uh, updating them updating. in the Tableau public. Right. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you don't really have to think too much about the two different audiences, because they sound like they're kind of similar. I mean, you have the dashboard is for you know people who are making decisions also for the public, but it seems like they all sort of need the same bottom line. So are you thinking about the different audiences differently? Are you saying this is we're we're targeting people who are interested in this and this is what we think they need? It doesn't matter if it's the deputy mayor, if it's the head of an agency or if it's the public. Mm-hmm. I think for some of the economic vital signs that mm-hmm. is certainly the case. For example, unemployment. Let's yeah. say. Really clearly an important thing to know in DC it's affecting the policy decisions that the mayor's making. It's affecting what uh, what journalists are writing about TV, right. how they see the state of the world. It's affecting people's lives and, and how they feel like their experience in the city is. Um, there are deeper dives maybe we can do into unemployment and how, how job growth is happening in the mm-hmm. city that might be different for different audiences. Right. We uh, internally, at least, I like to think of my um, internal data visualization uh, job as kind of a data hypochondriac a little bit okay. since I, I was being educated during the, the Great Recession mm-hmm. and hearing then in the aftermath about how data really wasn't used to its fullest extent yeah. to diagnose or even notice the issues. Yeah. So my, my job, I think, internally is to say, what could be going wrong right now and how can we detect it and mm-hmm. kind of make sense of it before anything economically bad happens? Right. Um, so that's kind of what my internal mindset is mm-hmm. for how we're reporting data and then explaining it out to the audience. 
Um, externally, I think we want to be evangelists for open data and people being engaged with the city's data. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent, we want to put it out, whatever it says about DC, and get folks to engage on it. So that's that, I think, is another difference between um, the internal and the external products. Yeah. External, we really want some community and civic engagement. Yeah. And we want the, the data dashboard that's our public version to be a platform for that. Yeah. So let's talk about the open data for a minute because there's a big open data push here in D.C. as yeah. in lots of other cities. Yeah. So it seems like you're taking open data, you're packaging it up, and you're kind of reopening it in a, in a different way. Have you found that D.C. agencies are more or less on board with that? And and if you've had struggles, how do you get people on board with saying, yeah, we're going to open this data because people should have it and people should be able to use it? Yeah, I mentioned earlier the, the three jobs that yeah. the deputy mayor has. And actually, a, there's, a, there's a fourth one mm-hmm. that kind of underlies all we do, and that's to try to be as transparent as possible with the recognition that that might not have been the case in the past. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to be the most transparent DEMPED that there's been. And so one of the things that we've done in pursuit of that is to release the, for the first time, the real estate development pipeline data that we have. So DEMPED has a portfolio, a $13 billion portfolio of real estate projects in the city. Last year, for the first time, we released individual project data on all those projects. We've also put on our public dashboard um, affordable housing data project mm-hmm. by project, so you can get a view of where the affordable housing projects are under construction in the city and where the pipeline's going to be going. And that, I think, for the first time, it's been, been helpful for the development community, for the business community, for journalists mm-hmm. who, before those data points were maybe reported on in separate stories, it was difficult to see the whole picture. Yeah. But... Um, we think it's helpful to, to put that data out. And within DC government, as you were asking before, there is a tremendous amount of open data put out on the, the open data portal that DC mm-hmm. has. DC open data is primarily map-based, so there's a lot you can do with geographic information. Mm-hmm. And DC has an absolutely fantastic um, master address repository for right. standardizing uh, geographic data. So I think that we're kind of leading the pack there. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw in a recent open data census that DC had a very good score compared to other states. We're not perfect, obviously there's right. more work to be done, but um, making products with the data mm-hmm. and showing how those can be helpful is I think the best case to be made for getting more data out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had, a, we've had a tremendous feedback on what we've put out already. Yeah. And all of that, um, almost all of it, was already public right. to begin with. Right. But repackaging data so it's not just data, it's insight, yeah. is such a great carrot for getting more data out there, Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the pipeline a little bit, because you mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. You're a team of three pulling yeah. in all these data. You have some scripts that run, so they're updated quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the biggest challenge throughout that pipeline from... You know, all the way from getting the data at the very start to sort of publishing something, including, I guess, at the end, getting feedback from people, you know, both internally and externally. What are the pressure points in that in that pipeline? Mm-hmm. I would say two two main things. One, when you're producing data, as we are, for example, or our real estate data, data is data originates people mm-hmm. frequently, if not always. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. I think, number one, understanding your data and making it accurate as possible 
which I'm, I'm really all about automation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where we'll cut. Yeah. Automation, automation, automation. And that even includes not just scraping data, reshaping it, putting it into a good form, but I think getting data from the real world as much as we can automate it and build it into operational processes mm-hmm. as much as possible. That's the key for good data, for real-time data, and for accurate data. Mm-hmm. So getting the correct milestone dates for real estate projects, mm-hmm. building that into processes and people's actual day-to-day work lives right. so that it's not an extra step because when data becomes an extra step, it becomes a chore, mm-hmm. it becomes the thing that you do later. So you're trying to automate not just the the push and pull of the data, but also the automation of the... The generation. The, yeah, the generation, data. right. Mm-hmm. right. Absolutely, where that can be done. And how important is that to have the buy-in of... I mean, you clearly have the buy-in of your team because mm-hmm. um, you're doing the work. How important is it to, to get all the stakeholders to buy into that? Or is it a matter of just demonstrating some success and then you sort of get people to buy in because they see what's what's happening? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think it's definitely a bit of both. You want to demonstrate why data is useful and valuable mm-hmm. by making cool visualizations, but also demonstrate why it's necessary on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. If you have real-time data that you're trying to collect, it's not going to do you any good if you can get it one month and then not a month later. Yeah. Um, so trying to create points where you're regularly looking at the data, you're regularly updating it, and to create products that are on a real-time basis, mm-hmm. like our dashboard that we update and then can answer questions when they come up. Because we are, we're always getting questions about real estate data, so to not have to Redo, redo the whole thing. Every single yeah. request is valuable for people's time. Right, right. Now, I'm also curious because you said you have a team of three people. And I think a lot of people in organizations think they need 30 or 40 people to have a team that can pull in data and build these things. So let me first ask, what's the background of the different members of the team? And how have you been able to find success with what many people might think is a you know pretty small team? Yeah, we have a we have a very uh, interesting team, I think, background wise, and I'd say we're more of a hire people with enthusiasm for what we're doing in local government mm-hmm. and learn the skills as we go along, than a hire people for the skills and have people siloed in in, in their in their one yeah. little function area. So uh, my background, like I said, is economics. I worked with economic data, mm-hmm. um, various tools, statistical tools mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff, uh, some background in visual design, etc. Another one of our team members has a background in database administration and is really, really plugged into DC government and, and has been here a okay. while. And another one of our team members, our newest team member, has a background, more web development, some programming, and has been with various advocacy organizations. Okay. So really a hodgepodge of skills. Mm-hmm. We had an intern just this last semester from GW who is an IT, mm-hmm. in an IT master's program who learned D3. Okay. While she was here. Right. So we're more of a get energetic, enthusiastic people mm-hmm. and then pick a problem and figure out a way to solve right. it. Right. Very good. So do you have any pearls of wisdom 
for other teams that are trying to do something similar where they're trying to create dashboards, get other people interested in them, get people to use them, I guess is probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Are there any pearls of wisdom or things that you've had to overcome to get this process to work that you would recommend to other organizations or people, you know, keep in mind or be aware of? Yeah, yeah. I think that the main thing that I've learned uh, both here and in my prior life in the federal government, mm-hmm. making, making dashboards for policymakers and uh, getting data insights for policymakers is that when you are trying to build a narrative about what's going on in an economy, mm-hmm. for me right now, it's, it's DC, it's going to involve a lot of repetition mm-hmm. of what the story is. So find a succinct story with the data and repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Tell anybody who will listen what the so what is. When you are presenting insights from data, I think a lot of the time, unless there is another expert in the room, you're going to be presumed to be the expert Mm -hmm. on that data. And people really see that your opinion about it is the value add. Mm -hmm. So figure out a way to succinctly express your opinion about the data and don't rely on anyone else who's reading it to form an opinion based on a chart or a graph. For policymakers, a lot of the time they come from a world of liking data, liking Mm. charts and graphs and colorful images, but one sentence, one pithy sentence Mm. is what sticks with them the most, I think, because a lot of them are from the world of policy memos or law briefs or legislation. So words actually do have value, and I think translating data into words is one thing that I have found to be the most valuable. Let me just ask one last question. When you are communicating with decision makers or policymakers, are they particularly interested in the interactivity of the dashboard or are they more interested in that one sentence pithy thing that you can say, here's the bottom line. Yeah, here's this graph. Um, here's that thing. Or do they ever want to dive in a little bit deeper? I think it's more on the former description. Yeah. I think when you're designing a dashboard, just assume nobody's going to play around with it. <laughs> okay. Unless you're designing it for, and, and this is an audience we are targeting, yeah. obviously, for the data nerds out yeah. there, for the, the data savvy citizens or data journalists, etc. But if you're expecting a policymaker who has a million different things going on, mm-hmm. someone who's running a city, basically, to sit down and play around with the data that you've spent hours and hours putting together and know all the caveats about, yeah. That's just not probably not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you need to spoon feed your data results to whoever is going to listen. Let's just finish up with this. So then, is the dashboard itself to creating the interactive, the interactivity, and having it built in Tableau, having that platform, is that primarily to make your life a little bit easier as opposed to the audience? Because it allows you to bring things in more quickly. It allows you to explore it, but they're really just going to look at the, you know the initial view and that's that's pretty much it. So is so is all the dashboarding pretty much mostly for you and your team and, and the other folks in your office to dig down. And then the audience it's really like, here's the one thing you should really know about these three views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. And I shouldn't say that policymakers generally are just interested in the yeah. the answer because frequently we do need to do a drill down. Mm-hmm. Unemployment stayed the same this month. What's going on? Right. Wages in DC are falling and have been for past several months, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. What's the story? So it, it helps springboard my team into mm-hmm. action 
Right. When we need to do a drill down, we have everything. We have this data library here for mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. and we can come up with a few hypotheses, play around really quickly, and either falsify those hypotheses or know which road to travel down for future analysis. And then it's a matter of then getting that drill down deep analysis into a format that's digestible, has action items, has the so what. Right. That's a bit deeper. Great. Yep. Great. Great. Well, um, I think you have your work cut out for you here. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Um, and great. thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, please uh, drop me a line on the site or on Twitter or via email. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Juice Analytics. For 10 years, they've been helping clients like Aetna, the Virginia Chamber of Commerce, Notre Dame University, and U.S. News and World Report create beautiful, easy-to-understand visualizations. Be sure to learn more about Juicebox, a new kind of platform for visualizing data, at juiceanalytics.com. Also, check out their book, Data Fluency, found on Amazon.